to Campfire Fireside Chats. This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. Just a couple of quick announcements, then we'll get to this week's guest. Patreon. Patreon.com slash Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. Choose the tier that best suits your preference, and get access to exclusive and discounted merch, behind-the-scenes looks at the writing and editing process, and two weekly shows, Lights Out, which is an exploration of short horror, and Midweek Weird, a 40-in news update. We have a couple of bigger monthly shows in the works as well. Also, you get a little sneak peek of the actual notes that Ryan and I take during the reading of the stories. Margin doodles and all. Merch. We have some awesome new designs that are so close to being ready. We cannot wait for that. Find the link in the episode description or go through our link tree and go check out our merch store. Stickers, t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, everything with fantastic designs by a slew of brilliant artists. And lastly, we just launched the Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling fan page on Facebook. We would love for this to become the hub of the Campfire community. We're brand new over there, still small, but growing. So go get involved and invite all your weird friends. And now to this week's guest. He is none other than the intrepid editor-in-chief at Paranormality Magazine, Jack Kirby. Jack has built several wildly successful businesses over the last 20 years, and has finally found a way to combine his unique approach to entrepreneurship and his love and fascination with all things Fortean. We dive deep into his young life and talk about a few of his business ventures from years past. We even drag out a couple of his many experiences with anomalous phenomena. Over the last year, Jack has become a dear friend, and we are beyond honored to have him around our campfire for the first time. So let's jump right in. All right, Jack. Finally, finally, thank you for, um, for being on the show. Not a problem. And yeah, finally. It's been, what, three times now? Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. the third attempt. Um, and it's been like months. We both always have so much going on that every time one of them got messed up, it was like a long time before we could circle back around. Yes, because what, we tried one one day and I couldn't figure out the how this program worked and then mm-hmm. you were feeling bad. Yeah, so... Yep. I, I get it. It's cool. Yeah. I'm just glad we're finally doing it. Because, like, we've been working together for, what, since last December? I think Almost is when a I year, started yeah. the magazine. Yeah. That's crazy. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. You know, when you only put something out once a month, it really, it doesn't seem like it's been that long of a time. Yeah. I, I noticed that a lot, too. I have, like, podcaster friends who release, like, really short daily episodes. And... You know, I, I'll open their page and it takes me a second to remember that they're releasing daily episodes. I'll see they're on like episode 340 and I'm like, what? What's happening? Yeah. So I think that wider, wider gap makes time go quicker, oddly enough. Yes. Especially when you're putting something together every day, no matter if it's like 10, 15 minutes. I did that for uh, for a little uh, 
little thing a podcast coach uh, that I, I went through taught me. Uh, and he was like, you just do 30 days. It doesn't have to be long. Just do straight 30 days and then you'll keep going. Yeah, that's good advice. I think I feel like there's definitely a hump where in the beginning you you're always questioning in the back of your head, like, is this really going to be a thing I do? But when you get to a point, you get over that hump and you're like, it's just part of your life. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like my wife and I did a podcast for two years straight. Yeah. And <clears throat> I, it, and we did two episodes a week. Mm-hmm. One was a bonus episode. One was a regular episode, both 30 minutes long, mind you. But uh, yeah, it, it gets exhausting. And then finally, our schedules just didn't coincide anymore because I got a new job working days. She was still working nights. Yeah. And we just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I think every podcaster in the world is just crossing their fingers that that doesn't happen to them. You know what I mean? But sometimes life is just like, yeah, you're going to have to make it work or don't. Yeah. And life said no for that. So after yep. two years, we finally just said, mm, let's let's just end it. Yeah. So that, I still have got to go back because that's still available, right? That podcast. Oh, yeah. 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 What's it called? I, do you mind? It's called Dating Confessions. Okay. Like, it's super raunchy. Yeah. Um. So it's like, <laughs> and, and and before you go, and, and, and that's with anybody listening to it, I am playing a character. I am not a misogynistic asshole all the time. <laughs> okay. So those of us who know, you know, that's the, that's the case. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's, that's how I, I portrayed myself was a, uh, uh, a misogynistic asshole uh, because what we did was we shared stories uh, of people that sent us their dating horror stories. Yeah. Yeah. So there were some good ones. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I did. I, I talked a lot of shit. Um, yeah. And, and some of it was against females. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's, yeah, that's just me playing a character. Right on. Yeah. We'll make sure, make sure that's known. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, kind of like Alex Jones. Sure. A character. Yeah. Sometimes you get lost in your own character. Sometimes. Like Alex Jones. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's that's always unfortunate. Or like Gilbert Gottfried, right? Or you just like, yeah, you get lost in your own character and eventually it becomes you. So maybe it's a good thing you got out of it after two years. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, it was only for 30 minutes every yeah. Every, well, 60 minutes since we did two episodes. But it was fun. It, I really enjoyed it. And it really just, for the whole two years that we did it, 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 it was cheaper than going out and, you know, getting drunk every sure every weekend, you know? so yeah. See, that's, that's how Ryan and I started, was like, this is just a way that we can get together and hang out every week. Like, it's just a thing we can do together, you know? Right. Yeah. You're just talking and and having fun and and enjoying it yeah no that's that's when i when i was younger i played uh vampire the masquerade oh yeah absolutely love that board game and then i just needed something to occupy my time yeah so podcasting was it yeah see i was always a D &D guy growing up but vampire was always something that we like flirted with you know we'd play every once in a while to mix it up so my friends that i played vampire with they played D as well uh that was their friday night game and then saturday yeah. night was 
was vampire. And I, I just never got into d and I just never... I don't know if it just was the characters, was the setting. I, I really just enjoyed vampire. But I like vampires. Yeah. Like, immortals and vampires are, like, my two favorite uh, favorite things. Like horror um, motifs? Yeah. Well, it doesn't... Not necessarily horror motifs, but just, like, vampires living forever being mm-hmm. able to do whatever they want do you know how rich yeah you could be if you were an immortal right if you could spend 400 years building a brand yes yeah yes have you ever been to new orleans no i have not okay so if you ever go there's a house there and i'm trying to think of the name it's uh count saint something it, the name vades me off the top of my head but essentially, they say the same dude who originally bought the house back in, like, the 1800s still owns that house today. Well, no. Owned it up until 2016 when his lawyer bought the house. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. That feels a little sketchy. Yes. Yeah, St. Germain. That was who it was. Oh, Count yeah. St. Germain. Mm-hmm. So, and one of the things they did which I find very interesting. They took a picture of Count St. Germain. They took a picture of the previous owner before the the lawyer bought the house, and they did a facial recognition software, and it was 95% accurate match. Wow. I mean, I guess after, you know, that many years, your face is going to change a little, but... Sure. Yeah. But yeah, 95%. That's crazy. Yeah, I've I've never heard that story. I know that like Louisiana and specifically um, specifically New Orleans is like rife with vampire folklore and even current vam- like the vampire culture there is strong. It is. Uh, and you should look into that though. And another weird thing about this house, the shutters are on the inside. It's the only house in the <laughs> French Quarter where the shutters are actually on the inside. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that's that's pretty vampire-y. Yes. Yeah. I also grew up reading, like, Anne Rice novels and, like, Poppy Z. Bright and all that stuff, and so much of that takes place in, like, the French Quarter in, in New Orleans, and it's, like, based around that culture. So, yeah, that, that fits the bill for me. So when we went, um, it was still pandemic, like, full-on. Yeah pandemic where they lifted some of the restrictions and you could go out but you still had to wear masks inside um so we got a a super cheap rate on an airbnb i think the whole weekend cost us um like for the for the uh room anyway was about 275 dollars because we split it with another couple yeah we were there for like a week and normally wow. the the room goes for like almost a thousand dollars a night. Yeah, yeah. So we got it for like a, like under a thousand dollars for a week, but there was nobody out. Um, yeah. So when we took all these tours and ghost tours and vampire tours, and we took almost every tour you could you could think of, just because we were doing the tourist thing. Yeah. And there was a uh, there was a tour guide who was doing a uh, a ghost. Uh, to her, but he was actually um, part of a vampire group, I guess. 
Okay. And he was telling us, you know, there were some really cool, like, vampire bars down there. We didn't go because yeah. my wife's kind of um, weird like that. Like, the yeah. only way I could go into a voodoo uh, voodoo store is if we went to the church afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Ain't playing it safe. Exactly. Yeah. She didn't want to take anything home. I get yeah, that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Okay, so... With this interview, I want to, since it's your first time on, I, which is crazy to me that it's your first time being on the show, but um, that's that's my fault. Um, I want to like take it all the way back to the to the beginning for for you. Like, where did you grow up? So I grew up in the middle of nowhere, um, uh, in Illinois. Okay. So uh, literally, this uh, it was in Montgomery County, Illinois, in a small town called Hillsboro. Had about a population of 4,000 people, right? So yeah. super small town. Everybody knew everybody. In fact, when I when I go back, I, and, and I've only been back, I've been gone for like, oh, almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. Almost 20 years. And I went back five years ago. I walked into a bar, and I swear to you, the same people were sitting in the same bar stools <laughs> when I left, and they were still there, and I was just in awe yeah and so yeah very very rural town with nothing to do okay yeah i'm very familiar with that that's a lot like the town i grew up in like probably what three or four stoplights four or five maybe at the most um one 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 yeah one no i'm trying yeah. to I'm, I'm thinking about all the no there's two i'm sorry there's two um yeah yeah they, i grew uh, up in a town very similar to that and and the two stoplights are on main street and yeah. the only reason one stoplight exists is so people could cross the cross the road to get to the school yep same yep yeah same um so growing up in a super small town did you did you have an idea when you were young like sort of the industry you would end up in did you have a um not necessarily were you right, but did you? What were your goals when you when you graduate in a small town like that? You know what I mean. So when I graduated, I absolutely had zero ambition. I honestly thought that uh, I was going to spend the rest of my life in that small town hell, marry some chick, get divorced, marry some other chick, get divorced. And perpetuate that cycle. Sure. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I had no clue as to what I wanted to do. I, I do remember when I was in high school and I would lay in bed at night and I would want to. Uh, and I would think about my future and I would think about what I wanted to do. And the only thing that I could think is that I knew that I wanted to do was be a CEO of a, of a company that was successful. Yeah. So just sort of a vague ambition to build something. Yeah. And I did that um, a few different times, actually. Uh, when I uh, I went to college, so I moved to Tennessee. Um, didn't really do much with the paranormal while I lived in Tennessee. Um, I kind of started that when I was in Illinois, and I'll, we can talk about those stories. Yeah. Um, but then... When I got back from Tennessee, uh, 
I I opened a tattoo studio. Okay. And so I owned a I owned a very successful tattoo studio in a small town. Uh, there was literally like one other tattoo studio uh, in the area, but they had a horrible reputation. Yeah. So I was it. So there was the next tattoo shop was sixty miles in any direction. Wow. Yeah. So. I kind of, uh, well, I pissed a lot of people off and mainly a lot of government officials off in that town, but I was able to run a successful, and that's why they were pissed is because I was successful. Right. And I wasn't selling drugs. Right. So. They didn't want that kind of business being successful in their small town. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of that. I, you know, I've spent most of my life in small town midwest and there you know i've had friends open up like skate shops and open up music venues and you know just anything associated with a subculture small towns hate they just, the people love them but the people who are on like the board of commerce in the oh, for they those hate small them. towns they hate it like there was this venue that uh we would used to go to when i was in high school and they would have like up and coming bands. It was kind of, it kind of reminded me of like what CBGB probably was back in the day for like rock bands. Yeah. So Mud, Mudvayne played there, uh, Disturbed played there, uh, Stained, um, and several other, yeah. you know, uh, rock bands, uh, played there before they got big. Yeah. So That's- that was really cool. But that town was about probably 7,000 people. And it lasted yeah. maybe a year. Yeah. It's always like that. I mean, in the town we grew up in, we had so many people try to open music venues because we were kind of like, in Indiana, we were like equidistant between Indianapolis and Fort Wayne, which are the two major cities, two of the, the most major cities in Indiana. We were like right in the middle. So it was actually a really good spot for a music venue. Because people would, bands would hit Indianapolis and then they could drive straight, straight through us on their way to their next date in Fort Wayne, you know? And, um, we always, they always had like great bands, big bands. They had no trouble booking talent, but they would eventually get run out by, by the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. And unfortunately, I I think that's changed a lot though. Now that those people are out. Yeah. Um, that older generation. I, yeah, I, I did have a couple allies in the, in the city government mm-hmm. um, that kind of you know were pulling pulling for me, helped me out in some some issues. Yeah, zoning issues and stuff like that. Because I was trying to one of the things I was trying to do too was repair a building. Yep. My I, I didn't have the money to pull permits or you know get an yeah. as, asbestos check before I destroyed anything. Yeah. So they're like, you know, hey, you need this, but I already took care of it. Yeah. Like, cool. That's yeah, that's good to have. In fact, one of the one of the more promising music venues that opened in that town got eventually got shut down because the Chamber of Commerce had the fire the fire marshal come in and insist that they install this crazy sprinkler system that was gonna be like eighteen thousand dollars or something to install and they just they couldn't do it so they ended up having to shut down 
Right. Small town. I mean, there, yeah. there's already not a lot of jobs in a small town anyway. Yeah. Nobody can come up with that just to run a music video uh, venue on the on probably only on the weekends. Yeah, exactly. Um but eventually you got into an industry that is generally pretty well received in small towns in the hairdressing, right? Yes, but I wasn't in a small town then. Okay. So, yeah, after uh um the uh, tattoo shops and uh uh, unfortunately, I there was a reason I had to close them down. But uh, um, I, I pretty much after that just lived a year of my life doing what I wanted. Okay. Um, so I did start exploring the paranormal again. I did start having fun again and doing stuff. And I, I didn't have any responsibles whatsoever. So it was great yeah. for like a, for like a year. Um, <clears throat> but then I was also going through a bunch of stuff too, trying to figure out what I wanted to do and who I was and. And one of my friends who was a hair hairdresser, she came up to me and she's like, what are you doing? What, seriously, what are you doing and where are you going in life? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. And she's like, Just go back to school, become a hairdresser. I ended up going to school for doing hair and I did that for like 15 years. Like what year are we talking when you started cutting hair? So I started cutting hair in like, 2007 okay and then just recently got out of it when the pandemic started and that's when paranormality officially kind of started yeah in its first in its first version yes so so yeah if you'd like we can get into that how did how did all that start how did what was the birth of paranormality like so it's it's really kind of weird because I, I've always wanted to do a podcast and I and I actually still have never done it to where um I wanted to get on and do like an art bell tribute and talk to people, talk to time travelers. Love time travelers. Yeah. So you if if you have any listeners that are time travelers, they definitely need to reach out to me. I have questions. I Absolutely. really do. Um but yeah, I kind of wanted to do an Art Bell thing, and I was sitting in this cigar shop, and uh, and so we're gonna actually backtrack. So okay. I'm still, I still have my hair salon. I hadn't, uh, pandemic hadn't hit yet. It was 2000, probably 17, maybe 16 or 17. Okay. Um, I own a hair salon. It's right next to a cigar shop. So I'm a smoker, so I'd spend some time there. And, and we were talking about that. We were talking about putting together a podcast where people could share their stories. And this, yeah, this was back in like 2016, 2017, when podcasting really wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, and so I started listening to podcasts like um, Monsters Among Us, uh, Creepy with John Grill, Great, John Grill has gone so he has done so much for the horror community in the creepy pasta, mm-hmm. um, and and just to see where he went from then to now is amazing. Yeah, um, he's got a whole network now. But I started listening to him when he like was just starting. Yeah, and I was like in my mind, I was like, you know, I can't, I can't compete with that. 
Like there's there's they are doing it so well. There is no way. And, and then the other thing was that if I did a did one where I had people come on and tell their stories, I felt like when these people were ultimately just full of BS mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be able to control myself. Yeah. And I would I would call them out. Yeah. Um so yeah, so there was a little little bit of fear in that and just a little bit of, you know, they're doing it so much better, but you know, if I go back and think about it, I probably should have started it then. So, but yeah. anyway, I was sitting at this cigar shop and uh we were talking about this and I was like, "Well, what kind of name would be cool for for a podcast that does that and one of my friends was sitting back behind the counter that worked there and he was smoking a cigar and he looks at me and he said straight up he's like paranormality I was like I like that and that's where the name came from yeah that's I mean I'm often asked like where the hell is the name from the magazine come from and I'm like I'm pretty sure it just came out of jack's brain but your friend came from your friend yeah and uh so after that i actually did a couple youtube videos on a different channel um i talked to this guy who uh claimed to be pahana pahana is the great white god that saves uh i forget which indian tribe okay but yeah he was he, he claimed that he was the the their the Indian savior, okay. And after that, I just I couldn't take it. I was like, oh my god, this guy is so ultimately full of crap, or he's delusional uh-huh. or demented because there's no way. And and then you know, thinking about it, could he have been? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. You never know. I think um, there is there is a, it's a skill. And Art Bell is a high bar to reach because he was masterful at his ability to let people just speak. He was, but he was also masterful about how he trolled people. Yes, yes. I he, am not. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. That's fair. A little clunkier, maybe. Um, he he had a deft hand, for sure. I mean, I've done quite a few of these fireside chats now, and I I struggle the most with with people who uh, people who have like very high opinions of themselves I have trouble with that in general but when I'm talking to someone especially I find it a lot in mediums mm-hmm. like mediums that I have interviewed I literally interviewed a guy I, I won't say who it is because I didn't actually end up airing the I, we did not post the the interview I, I remember that you saying something about this. Yeah, I interviewed a guy who claimed he was the the human embodiment of the light that people see when they're crossing over to the next life. That was his claim. And I that's it's just so lofty. You know what I mean? I do. And <laughs> and it's presumptuous to say that you are the light there's so many (laughs) questions i have i mean so many so many questions that i have for that but yeah that's ridiculous i mean why would you claim that see that's something that i could not keep my mouth shut about 
And yeah. then, like, I would have no listeners because everybody would be like, well, he's a dick. Right. He's just mean to this guy. No, but I had a hundred questions for him. And every question, every every answer was basically just like, well, because I am. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I didn't know what to do with that. You know what I mean? Like, because at a certain I, point, it's, you're just fighting the urge to say you're so full of shit. Yes. Like, yeah. It's I I taught my my teenage sons very early that if you have to lie, lie small. Right. Right? Yeah. This guy does not lie small. He lies very big. Man, it drives me crazy. Yeah. So yeah, anyway. so I did a few episodes and I just <sighs> I was so fresh, so new, didn't know anything about podcasting, didn't really know. I just went and tried it, and I failed. But I have this thing. So if you fail, and actually, I'm going to put it in the way that I put it to my uh, cosmetology students. Okay. What is the opposite of failing? Succeeding? You would be incorrect. (laughs) Being mediocre. Okay. If you don't fail, you can't succeed. You can only be mediocre. That makes sense. So that's something I I think about a lot. And, you know, I failed. I learned some stuff. Um, I put it on the side. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, I like podcasts, but I can't find podcasts that I want to hear. Apple, Spotify, we talked about this. They don't they don't have a paranormal section. Nobody has a paranormal section. Yeah. I wish they did. I wish they had paranormal. I wish they had conspiracy. I love conspiracy podcasts. Like not 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 really so much the government conspiracy pod like where they're just yeah. following the news and being, oh well, this is a conspiracy. Everybody knows everything the government does now is a conspiracy. Sure. I don't I don't care. I want to hear like the government programs like Project Looking Glass. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Project Pegasus. Um, the fun conspiracy stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Not the, well, did Donald Trump wipe, wipe his ass with his left hand or his right hand? What does that mean? Right. You yeah. know, did Joe Biden fall asleep during the Queen's funeral? I don't, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want to probably... hear about like, I want to hear about like DARPA's secret base under the Denver airport. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or DARPA's uh, facility in Alaska that they use to control the weather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, the those... fun stuff. So, and I, I couldn't find that. So I sat, I sat back, and I was like, okay, how can I make this happen? So it took me like about three months to find an actual uh, template to to kind of use. Okay. And then I had to build it out from from there because it didn't. The template basically did a third of what I needed. Yeah. So I spent pretty much this whole pandemic time because I wasn't technically laid off or anything like that. I was still working, um, but we we taught remote. And I'll tell you, teaching someone how to cut hair remote <laughs> does not work. Yeah, does I would not imagine. work. I imagine it's a lot like um, talking someone through landing an airplane over the phone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, it just doesn't work. Yeah. So uh, 
I started putting together this this directory of podcasts. Um, and it's still up today, Paranormality Radio. Um, mm-hmm. I will admit I haven't really done anything with that website. There's still a bunch of great podcasts on that upload. So, like, your podcast is on there. So yeah. when you upload your fireside chats, it's still it's going to go on there, and it'll you can yeah. find it and listen to any anything there. Um, I do need to go in and update it, uh, but the magazine is kind of taking uh taking up a lot of my time. So yeah, but from uh, from there it went to a podcast network, and the issue that I was having with the podcast network was actually turning that into a business yeah finding a way to monetize it yes because advertising is is how you monetize a podcast Mm -hmm. um and sharing uh sharing other people's podcasts you know so it's really hard to monetize a, a a network even though you might have 60, 70, 80,000 downloads a week, it's not from one podcast. Yeah. So advertising agencies don't want to touch you. Yep. And then going out and finding your own ads, and one of the things, and it's the same with Paranormality Magazine, the only thing we're going to advertise is paranormal-related stuff. Sure. Like, I don't I don't want to advertise ball shavers. Yeah. I don't. Nobody wants to advertise that. Yeah. I don't want to advertise HelloFresh. Yeah. Um, what what's that have to do with the right. paranormal? I'd rather advertise, you know, companies like Paraflix or Cryptid Crate or uh, Small Town Monsters, yeah, um, stuff like or even that. Like even like horror related stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. M- most definitely. So, there are a couple that make sense to me. Like occasionally, I'll I'll be listening to a paranormal podcast and I'll hear an ad for like a home security system. And I'm like, you know, that might be on someone's mind while they're listening to this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, if you if you have a true crime podcast, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. But a, but a paranormal one, eh, it depends on the subject. Yeah, like yeah. like pick and choose. But yeah, so uh, since it was so strict with what we were gonna advertise, it just it didn't take off into a business. But one of the things that we had talked about. Um, me and the the two other people who actually helped start this magazine um, uh, was to actually start a monthly paranormal podcast magazine. So that's yeah. how that's how it took off. It was it was a hundred percent digital. It was a learning experience the whole time, and it was fun. It was it was let's let's bring some of these podcasts that you listen to um and and kind of feature them and get and get to know the people behind the behind the uh mic yeah so so that that's so that's what the first few issues were it was just it was solely focused on podcasting yeah the first five issues were podcasting and then Chaz um had his stories that he put in there so it did have a little crossover with that um yeah. but then then we started talking. It's like, where do you, like, if it's a, a magazine, is it going to be a magazine for podcasters or for people who listen to podcasts? Right. Um, and then if it's for people who listen to podcasts, 
they like other things too. Yeah. So it just it slowly evolved into more of that fourteen type yeah. uh, magazine that it is now. And one of the big things that really made that change was I was talking with uh, Darren Marlar from Weird Darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michaela did an interview with him. And uh, when we were talking, he's like, so what is your magazine? Because that's when we were in issue number three or four and we were relatively new and unheard of. Yeah. And he was like, what do you want... Uh, what do you, what is your magazine about? And I was like, well, we, we focus on paranormal podcasts. And he's like, that is a very, very niche, niche market. Yeah. Like super niche. He's like, I think that if you expanded to other things, that it would go over a lot better. Yeah. So I listened to him and I took his advice. Yeah. That's and good it advice. Kind of grew from there. Yeah. I don't think it's a big stretch to, to assume that someone who listens to every episode of Monsters Among Us might be interested in a story about UFOs over South America. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. So it just kind of kind of progressed to what it is now. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I've been writing for you since December and it's been an incredible experience, honestly. Like just watching the magazine grow has been remarkable. And Aaron... Deese, who also writes for you and he hosts Hey Strangeness. Um, we talk, we've talked a lot about like, are we going to look back on this time period 20 years from now and be like, look at what we helped build? You know what I mean? I hope so. That is the ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, it, it really is. It's, it's definitely the ultimate goal is to say, can we be the next Fate magazine? Yeah. Yep. I I mean, I want so badly, you know, years down the line for people who are making, you know, a paranormal podcast to use, you know, an article I wrote as a source. You know what I mean? Right. Because like right now we're looking at old fate magazines from the 70s and we're looking at 14 times and stuff like that as a source material for what we for what we do on our podcast. And I would love to be one of those guys. Well, see, and that's the beauty of uh, how the distribution uh, of the magazine works. So we have a, a digital subscription, and it's literally 99 cents a month. And you get uh, other premium posts that uh, some of the writers have been writing on stuff. Yeah. Uh, really cool uh, article about the zombie syndrome, uh, yeah. cardioid syndrome, or, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the... Bigfoot in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I do is like, so the subscription, the digital subscription, you can, you get a chance to see the first or the last three issues before anybody else does. After yeah. three months, that issue is now free you uh, digitally. Mm-hmm. So you can digitally down, go in onto the website, download it, read it, use it, distribute yeah. it however you want, you know? And then we also have the print versions for those people who really want to just hold and see the magazine. Yeah. I, I, I love that because, you know, 20 years from now, there, there will be a, an enormous database of these just free issues, you know, mm-hmm. that are available for everyone to just dive through and learn about all this 
all this stuff that we that we talk about. Oh yeah, and and that's the goal. We want we want this to be a community project. Yeah, you know. So, um, yeah. So speaking of, um, we have the Paranormality Podcast Awards coming up. Yes. And that actually stemmed from the the fact that we were a paranormal mag or podcast magazine to begin with. Yeah. And so we did the first one. Um, our October issue, actually, they it, it changed. Like we, that's when we were in that uh, kind of in between space, if you will. Where, where the magazine was kind of going through some changes. Uh, we had already brought up the idea and already started before that uh, the the first uh, Paranormal Podcast Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, because we wanted to do that the whole time, but we didn't want to associate it with the podcast network or okay. Paranormality Radio to be because the way everything was set up. Yeah. Um, so... Just that's to why avoid any site that it might be one hand washing the other, right? right? Yeah. So that's why it's 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 completely it's its own entity. It's its own yeah. thing. Um, brought to you by paranormality. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So that's we we started that last year. Went over really well. Um. Unfortunately, the video didn't work, but the article itself has gotten thousands and thousands of views even yeah. today it still get view- it still gets views so yeah i mean i we talked before off mic but i remember trying to watch it in the at the time and there were obviously a lot of technical stuff going on but afterward i remember going back and seeing all the like thank you the um reception videos from the podcasters who had won and all that stuff that was so much fun to watch and i was i was hooked just oh, yeah. from that yeah and and like i said when we were talking off mic the technical issues um since this was the first time we did it and we didn't have a live venue to to do it at uh i just didn't have the bandwidth on my computer to host six people in a zoom meeting and broadcast it out to youtube and twitch at the same time yeah. I think I would have been good if I would have kicked Twitch. Yeah, so we're just going to be doing it on YouTube this year. It's going to be live uh, October 30th uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, nice. And we, we're, it's always going to be on a Sunday. Yeah. Because the way I figure it, it's, it's, already, it's already spooky season. It's already Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, but so people are doing stuff on Saturdays. Sundays they got to go back to work, or Mondays they got to go back to work. So Sunday's a perfect night to just sit and watch it. Yeah, absolutely. And then if they miss it, it's still up there. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Have you had paranormal experiences that you feel have catalyzed your your interest in all this? Have you had personal experiences? I've had a few personal experiences. Um, and, and that dates back to living in my small town, okay. uh, was my first major experience. I had, I had some weird experiences when I was a kid. Um, and when I'm talking to a kid, I'm talking like six, seven, eight. Okay. Uh, my first really weird experience that I just, I can't explain. Um, 
I was in church, and you know, growing up in the Midwest, you're you're a Catholic usually. Yeah. So I was in a Catholic church, and the preacher was talking. I was sitting on the in pew, and out of the corner of my eye, um, I saw this figure standing there, and I'm not gonna say it was Jesus, but it very much looked like. Somebody from that time period. Okay. And I'm not a religious person by any means. Right. Like, not at all. But that was my first... It's standing just right beside me. And then I I turned my head and nothing was there. Oh, okay. So that was one of my first experiences. And then later on, like when I was in junior high, I had this experience. It was a glitch in the Matrix experience. And the so I was... My mom had her 74th birthday, um, June, August 29th. Yeah, August 29th. Sad, I don't even remember my mom's birthday. It's the 29th. I just don't know what month. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my wife has to remind me. But I do know it's the 29th. Anyway, uh, we actually went up and surprised her. She didn't even know we were coming up. So we flew up, surprised her. And I actually told her this story for the first time. Um, so I was in junior high and I was living on this dead end road next to uh, a cemetery is where the dead end road ended. It was a cemetery. Okay. Well, this was like afternoon on a Saturday. I was riding my bike. A car passed me. So I got over and it was my mom's car. Okay. The light, it was a Nissan hatchback. I forget the like make, but I think it was a Sintra. Nissan Sentra. Yeah. The license plates were exactly the same. It said EMB 1947, the year she was born, and her initials. So I'm like, okay, my mom took off while I was gone. She's coming back. And to get to the house, you take a right. This car took a left. Okay. And then it went down this little career. I chased the car down. I could not see it. Um, And when you... So... You would take a left, you would go around this little S-curve, and then there was a house, so the car was gone after the house. I couldn't see it. But I wasn't far enough away where when I got to the intersection, I wouldn't be able to see the car. The only way I wouldn't see the car is if it turned left at that stop sign. Yeah. So I turn around, go back home, and my mom's car is sitting in the driveway. I walked in, I asked her if she'd went anywhere, and she's like, no. And that was the end of it. I didn't say another word. Okay. Um, but I finally told my mom that story like last month and she was like that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. I I mean, how did how did you make sense of that as a kid? I didn't. I had no idea kinda, what to think of it. Did you just kind of put it out of your mind or did it mess with you for a while? I mean, it kind of messed with me cuz I was like, what is that? Yeah. What what is going on with that? Um, I didn't understand it, and then as I got older, then I then I got into the glitch in the matrix stories. Yeah, and and it really kind of sunk everything together. Like that's what that was. Hmm. So yeah, that's a wild story. And, and I mean, was, same question for that first experience in the church. Like, did you tell anybody about that? Did it have an impact on you? This is actually the first time I've ever told anybody that story. Wow. Yeah, never told that story ever. Um, no, it really didn't have an impact on me. Um, 
I was a little weirded out because I, we were in a church and the dude looked kind of like yeah. Jesus sure. and with the beard. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't know who it was. Interesting. Uh, and I just never, uh, it was like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Um, cause I yeah, didn't know. I often find that people compartmentalize experiences like that. They just kind of put, put them in the back of their minds and don't think about them again. And I think some of that is probably because you just have to, otherwise you'd go crazy. You know what I mean? If you just obsess over it. Right. Right. And I mean, I got that time I was eight years old or so seven or eight, something like that. So I was really just kind of like, what, what could that have been? Yeah. Eh, I don't know. Just going to leave it at that. Yeah. And and go from there. Did you continue having experiences into adulthood? Uh yeah. Yeah. Uh not so much of seeing, well, I still see shadow figures every once in a while. Sure. Uh in this house, actually crazy story, stuff disappears in my house all the freaking time. Um so the lady that I bought the house from was a meth addict and an alcoholic. And uh, she died, not in the house, apparently, but she died. Um, she came home. She was in the hospital for a long time. They thought they got her better. She came home, relapsed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So when we moved in, we bought the house as is. And that means everything that she left behind was still here. Yeah. I've never seen my house empty. I have no idea what my house looks like completely empty. Interesting. Um, so we put all of her stuff outside and people came and grabbed it. And I don't know if she attached herself. I don't even know if it's her. I don't know what it is, but like stuff will just go missing. Like yesterday I or Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Um, I went and put my roof rack back on my Subaru mm-hmm. and the, and the roof rack, there's a, uh, a long Allen wrench that you need to tighten everything up. Yeah. I know exactly where I put it. I put the keys in one place. I put the wrench in a special place. So I knew where it was. I'm actually looking up at it right now to see if it's actually <laughs> still there. And it is. I looked in that place. I shoot you not like eight or nine times. And I'd gotten a phone call from a friend of mine saying, hey, can you come up now? And I was like, yeah, just give me a few minutes to, to finish this project. Mm-hmm. I, I literally got so mad. I smoked a cigarette and, and I told my wife, I'm like, look, I'm going to go back in there. I'm going to look one more time to where I know exactly where I put it. And it was there. That's That <sighs> happens to me on almost a weekly basis here at this house and then sometimes and i don't know if it's because i'm watching like i have a big projector like i have yeah. a 92 inch projector instead of buying a tv i was like mm, let's try yeah. this if you live in florida and it's sunny and you don't have blackout windows you can only enjoy it at night yeah but but that's okay but I'll, i don't know if it's because i'm watching that and i and just the light shines on something but yeah, I, I I can be working and see shadow people. Sometimes okay. it's weird, but I don't yeah. really know if that's paranormal or if it's just my mind seeing stuff that you know. Sure, some pareidolia, making yeah. you know making shapes out of what's there. 
Yeah. Um, the the things going missing. It. I mean, you don't even have kids, right? Like, there. I, I don't never, have animals. Yeah, I would never know if that was happening to me because I would just assume that my kids were being kids. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, I set my phone on the counter right by the uh, stove one day. I walked off. I knew exactly where I put my phone. I come back, go to grab my phone. It wasn't there. So I'm like, oh, did I accidentally pick it up and take it with me back to the to the office? Go back to the office? Nope. Go back up there? Sitting right there. See, that's, yeah, that's bizarre. That's, that's one of those, like, fairy type trickster Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And sometimes I think that. I'm like, do I have some weird fairy trickster in this house just messing with me? That's like two steps below tying your shoelaces together. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. That's why we're (laughs) slip-ons. That's a good good plan. I probably would have had a trickster living in my house. So, but the, the scariest experience I think I've ever had... Mm-hmm. Was at this cemetery. Um, are you familiar with uh, Troy Taylor? No. Okay, he's a Midwest author. Uh, writes a lot about haunted Illinois, uh, haunted oh, Missouri. Okay. Um, I don't know if he's I think done I've any... seen those books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but back in the day, this was twenty years ago too. Uh, you know, actually a little. Wow, twenty-five years ago. Wow. I wasn't even 20 at the time. So, yeah, like, like 24 years ago, I am old. <laughs> I just realized that. But uh, <clears throat> there was a cemetery, and it was called Graveyard X. And he wrote about it, and we found it online, like uh, a little article. And I spent one whole summer trying to find this cemetery. And honestly, I wish I wouldn't have. Yeah? I wish I would have never have looked for it. Yeah, I got to hear this. So... The only way you could find the cemetery is if you knew the clues. Because he did tell you, he gave clues to where it was. Okay. And it's in this little town called Palmyra, Illinois, which is like maybe, maybe 120 people. Super small town. And you have to go down these country roads and bends and twists. And we drove around out there quite a bit before we actually found it. Um but you have to actually go down this country road that almost looks like it's an abandoned dirt road a little bit. And so you pull into the cemetery and there's two sections of the cemetery. One is obviously extremely old and the other one's still being, you know, used today. Yeah. Um, so that the, the one that the part of it where they're still burying people and still being, you know, used not so much haunted. Um, there's a single fence row and a parking little parking area made of rock surrounded by tree lines on the far side, the two far sides, a field behind where you park and then the road and then some more, more wood lines. Okay. And we found it. And so it was pretty late. So we actually didn't check it out that night. We were just happy we found it. Yeah. Um, so the next weekend, 
took about five or six people out there. And you know when they say you, you feel cold spots? Mm-hmm. Literally, I felt a cold spot as soon... I mean, the temperature dropped as soon as you walked into that old part of the cemetery. I, wow. You could, and then there was a, a road in the middle, and you could walk across the road into the new part of the cemetery, and it would warm up, and you could literally feel it cool back down when you got into this... Uh, new part or the old part of the cemetery well the first time we were there we took some pictures and there was a bench by a tree and there was uh, the the way the picture came out was you saw the tree and then you saw like a jagged knife looking thing like just a white on the tree that just somehow was there I don't know it looked like a jagged okay. Um. Oh, kind of like a uh, uh, a saw knife. Okay, like but a it saw was serrated. Yeah, but it, a saw blade. But it was serrated on both sides. Okay, and it had a the the piece of metal coming out where you could put a handle on it. Yeah, but it was just it looked just like the metal part. So that was kind of weird. Yeah. So um, was this like a Polaroid that you were seeing in the moment? No, this oh, was you like saw this a for the fact. Yeah, we had to actually get the film um, processed and and stuff yeah. like that. So it took a few days to get a, the roll back, and it was really cool. That was one of the most ex- extraordinary things that I saw. Okay. Um. But what I what I noticed, and I don't know if this is because we took a Ouija board out there, but <laughs> we took a Ouija board out there, started playing, mm-hmm. and. I, I noticed in this back corner of this cemetery, um, I towards the wood line, I saw these like eyes just glowing. Okay. Walking back and forth, and uh, it kind of creeped me out. I was like, I, I have no idea what this is. Yeah. Um. So nobody else saw it. I didn't really say anything. We kind of left. And we went back to the cemetery like three or four times. Uh, Though the next time was just super freaky for me. And I don't, I don't know what it was. I cannot explain. I have no idea. But that, that entity that I saw uh, with the, and it had like a, a a low red glowing eye. So, And I tell my friends about it this time. I'm like, do you see that in the woods? Just kind of walking back and forth. And it was, uh, you know, just the red eyes and like a, a figure. Yeah. And they're like, no. So everybody's walking around, walking around. And somebody comes up to me and they're like, so is that that figure out there? Do you, is it out there? Because uh, they thought they saw it. And I was like, uh, unfortunately, No. And the reason I knew that is because I could see it standing almost uh, right off my left shoulder. Ugh. And it freaked me out. And so I was yeah. like, I was like, I'm, I, I just walked back to my, my, my car and I had a, a Dodge Durango at the time. And so I go in, I close the doors, I light up a cigarette and I'm just kind of freaked out. Yeah. I see something at my passenger door out the window walking around the car up to my passenger 
driver's side, like the back mm-hmm. window, and walk back again and did, do this like three times. I turned all the lights on in the car. So I have yeah. this green glow in my car so I can't see out my windows. So I'm like, fuck, if, if it's going to kill me or if it's going to yeah. do something, I don't want to see this. I was freaked out. Yeah. Um, my friends came back and I told them what happened and they, they were like, yeah, we saw something walking around your car. We just oh. assumed it was somebody, you know, one of us. Yeah. And apparently it wasn't. Oh, God. Um, so we did go back after that. And Dude, the I last... Got, like, I got cold chills like three times during that. That's that's some like, scary shit. Like, I was almost in tears. That's yeah. how... Like, that's how terrified I was. Um, because I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm, I'm always... The through the window thing has always freaked me out since I was even a little kid. Like the idea of just like seeing a face on the other side of a window at night. You know what yeah. I mean? And oh, and this was just a black human looking figure just pacing back and forth. Um, but yeah, like so we went back again, which I don't know why or how yeah. or why I decided to do that. The hubris uh, of youth, right? Right. No, my wife, my wife explained it to me, actually. So she's like, look, here's the deal. You're white. She's like, when something stupid happens, you go towards it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, um, man. Too true. So, yeah. So, so, yeah, that's that's what it is. So, yeah, we went back there. And the last time that I went there um, as a kid, actually, uh, we walked around. I didn't necessarily see that entity again. Really didn't see anything. Uh, heard some weird howling in the woods. Um, chalk that up to coyotes. Sure. But there's about four of us this time. And one of these people um, went to school with my mom. And he uh, he was part of this mastermind club. Okay. Like, dude was super smart. And believed in the paranormal. Yeah. And and he was part of this mastermind club. And they actually uh, um, pinpointed maps of pyramids underwater based on mathematics. Yeah. And later on discovered that those were actually, they were correct. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he, he was very open to the paranormal, open to everything. And so we're out there just kind of walking around, checking everything out. And I'm a smoker. um, So I was a smoker back then. And so, you know, smokers, they kind of put their window down. Yeah. So my driver's side window was down probably less than an inch, maybe an inch. I had those louvers on the the Durango. So when it rained. Yeah, so I could smoke when it was raining. Yeah, I'm I'm a selfish bastard like that, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm gonna smoke when it rains. Um, so there was no lights on in the car whatsoever. That was the only window that was rolled down. We spend about an hour and a half just walking around. Nothing extraordinary happens. Mm-hmm. We get back to the car, we open the doors, and there are literally thousands and thousands of white moths, like 
covering like the inside of my car. Whoa. I have no idea how they got there. I'm not the only one who saw it. Nobody else was as freaked out as I was about it. Yeah. Like I'm like, how did these moths get in there? Because they thought that, you know, the windows I'm like, no. This window was rolled down an inch and there was no light on. Like moths are attracted to light. If I yeah. would have left the light on, I could see that. No. And then after all the moths left, there was this smell of um lilac. Okay. That just encompassed the air. And it wasn't lilac season. Like okay. growing up I had a lilac bush in my yard. Yeah. I knew I knew when lilac season was. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was not lilac season. So that was weird to me. Interesting. And does does lilac have any significance to you? Like not to me, but um, they used lilac. So a little bit of information about this cemetery was uh, there was a wagon train that was rolling through, and they needed to bury their dead. So they used lilac to cover the smell of the dead bodies. Okay. Um, that and that sense. whole that whole back part of the cemetery where I saw that figure, uh, there were bodies buried out there that didn't have tombstones. They didn't have, you know, there was actually yeah. tombstones broken in that corner. Uh, but you could very well tell that there was graves out there that weren't, that went beyond the cemetery that weren't, um, marked. So yeah, I don't know if that had something to do with it, but that you was, know, uh, the last time cool. I went out there. Uh, yeah. Coincidentally enough, I've always hated the smell of lilac because it reminds me of my grandmother's funeral from when I was a kid because it was her favorite flower, I guess, and the room was just packed with lilacs. Oh, yeah. And and it was just so overpowering. Yeah. And so every time I smell it, I like go back to, you know, that's some of the like saddest memories of my childhood it, that, that, that that smell triggers. It's just kind of weird that like, you know, it was used in this cemetery. It, the theme of death and lilac mm-hmm. apparently go hand in hand, right? Right. Yeah. Actually, we were. My wife and I went to this place about oh, a couple weeks ago called Spanish Point. Uh, and I'd never been there. It's it's basically just like a garden. They, they have right. like a butterfly garden. They have like a little you could walk through, see nature. Yeah. Uh, but it was also part of an old old uh, settlement. So they have a pioneer cemetery there. Okay. And I'd never been there. Chaz told me it was haunted. Um, okay. And we've talked about it being haunted. Uh, well, we go to the cemetery and my wife starts taking pictures of me standing by the sign. Yeah. And then after she got done taking pictures, roses, like she could smell roses and so could I. We could both smell roses for about a, probably 30 seconds. Yeah. And then nothing. And there's no oh. rose. We we walked around looking for rose bushes, and there was not yeah. any. Interesting. Hmm. So yeah, paranormal you stuff still happens. For any weird shit? <laughs> What's that? Oh yeah, no, I still yeah. have them on my camera roll. Um, I kind of glanced through them, didn't see anything. But if I put them on the computer, which I plan yeah. on doing, and blowing them up, if I see anything, I'll write something about it because it was a really weird experience. Yeah, you might find some orbs or rods. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. Probably out there, you probably find a couple rods. Yeah. 
man thank you so much for doing this this has oh, been awesome not a problem at all the next Go time ahead. i come back i'm gonna have to tell you about the uh, haunted building that i accidentally bought yeah absolutely um and also the next time i have you on i want to talk to you a lot about time travel oh yes because I know that that's like that's a thing you love and you go back to over and over again. It's like one of your favorite subjects. Oh, yeah. So I'd love to get into that with you next time. Yeah, time travel and and reincarnation are my two big things. Actually, I don't even know if you're aware of this that uh, I'm working on a reincarnation project. Have I have I talked to you about that? No. Okay, we'll have to talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Bas- basically, what I'm trying to prove is that humans are immortal. And they're just too closed off to realize it. And through reincarnation, you can live multiple lives and, and, and essentially you're, you're an immortal. Yeah, that's an interesting theory. I mean, a lot of cultures, a lot of cultures back the idea of reincarnation, right? Right. So, yeah, um, yeah so I'm going to do some projects where I'm, I am actually going to videotape myself getting uh, regressed. Oh, Okay. Um, and my ultimate goal is to see if I cannot remember a skill or a language that I had or that I knew or, uh, from a past life. Yeah. To basically show that, you know, the only way to actually truly move forward in life and find out what life's purpose is, is to revisit your lives before. That's yeah. That's very interesting. I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. We'll have to talk about that next time too. Um, before we go, tell the people where to find you, any cool stuff that's coming up that they should look out for. So a couple cool things that we're doing, uh, other than the podcast awards, uh, we're going to be in West Virginia and Logan, West Virginia, that actually is for the, uh, wild and weird West Virginia conference. Uh, and that's October 14th and 15th, uh, I do believe. And then we're going to be at CryptidCon this year set up. Uh, I think that's uh, November yep. 14th, maybe 19th, somewhere in there. Yeah. I, I don't have it on my calendar. or I don't have my calendar with me right now. But yeah, we're going to be at that. Um, honestly, the best way to get a hold of me uh, is through email. And that's uh, jack.kirby. And that's J-A-C-K dot a-I-R-B-Y at paranormalitymag.com um, I, I have stepped down from really being on social media um, Chaz and Aaron have been doing a wonderful job yeah. um, uh, handling that um, we're going to get some more post, post up soon but yeah they, uh, they're doing a wonderful job so social media is now not the best place to, uh, to find me because I've been focusing on other things yeah so all right awesome also links to everything will be in the episode description so thank you again this this finally i'm so glad we did this so i can't wait for next time oh i'm so glad we did it too uh i had a lot of fun awesome thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird possibly alien maybe ghostly probably cryptid hearts for listening we absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on 
And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content, behind the scenes, we're just keeping up on our day to day, and maybe some swag along the way. It is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And and trust trust in the the unknown. unknown.